Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on Good evening to you all. It is 11 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Tuesday night, July 15th, 2014. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is, except for the past six weeks. My name is Joe Vicino, and my tag team partner and co-host is David Gomez, who's MIA, and I have no idea why, because he's the one that told me he wanted to finally do a show after six weeks being on vacation. Like I said, WFAN takes their vacation in the month of July pretty much, right around the 4th of July. We took pretty much the whole three last three weeks of June off into the first two weeks of July off. So we're back and on the air. The number to call in if you want to be part of the program is 714-364-4721. Follow us on Twitter, which I never tweet anymore. I just read posts. Um, very rarely do I tweet because nobody really listens to what I have to say anyway. I think Dave at one time had over a thousand followers and I'm sure they've dwindled down to pretty much nothing after he pretty much gave up on pure gold and um, the dream of actually making it big on a big market, big uh, radio station or even CSB. So um, again, I'm sure his followers are down to nothing. But if you want to follow us, you still can. I believe it's mine's pure gold underscore JB. Dave is pure gold underscore DG. And once again, the number of calls always is 714-364-4721. We were going to talk about tonight, and I guess I will be talking mostly because Dave is, again, MIA. Nothing unusual there. We'll be talking about, well, I was going to talk about the vacation that we've had over the last six weeks. But anyway, we'll we'll try to go into chronological reverse order. We'll talk about the All-Star game that's going on right now. We'll talk about the Home Run Derby. Some Mets and Yankees at the All-Star break. We'll, we'll dissect them. And I say we. It looks like it's going to be me only. Um, we'll talk about the free agent frenzy in the NBA that finally ended um, a day or two ago with uh, Mr. Carmelo Anthony re-signing with the New York Knicks. No surprise there. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about some other signings here and there uh, on the NBA side. We will talk about the WWE pay-per-view that's coming up, WWE Battleground, which should be, I guess, an interesting pay-per-view leading up to the biggest pay-per-view of the summer, which is Summerfest. I mean, that's Jeremy Piven saying that. It's actually SummerSlam. I do say that jokingly. So we'll talk about the WWE and Battleground and where we left off, I guess, last show, which was at least six weeks ago. And, um, yeah, we could talk in, uh, about the World Cup since Dave is not going to join us tonight and just get my thoughts on that. So let's start right from the top. Again, Pure Gold has been on the way for at least six weeks now, if I recall. We haven't had guests on for at least two months now which, you know, we used to have a solid, solid track record of having guests on our show, um, at least one guest, one big guest that Dave would try to book. 
But the last couple of shows that we actually had a guest lined up, those guests just um, decided not to show. I guess that shows you that Dave's credibility has really um, spit the bit, and his credibility is now in the toilet to flush it down the toilet. He is a loser. Just like it's 11.04 and uh, he still hasn't called in, which I find to be quite hilarious because I did this to him one time before, but I legitimately fell asleep a uh, very long day. Again, no excuse there um, on my part or his part, but anyway. So that's where we left off, and um, let's start with the All-Star game that's going on right now. I believe um, they're still playing the game, and it's, this is Derek Jeter's last All-Star game. I'm not even sure if he got the most votes, um, which, you know, I know that Craig Carton tried to get the most votes for him uh, of all time, and as well as this game in particular. And I see that the American League is up 5-3 to three over the National League, and they're playing in Minnesota, so it's an American League ballpark with a DH. And, you know, I, I know we've discussed this over the last couple of years as Pure Gold was on the air, but to make an all-star game, a, an exhibition basically, make it decided where, you know, the winner of this game gets home field advantage for the World Series is utterly, utterly ridiculous, easy for me to say. Um, but it's it's utterly ridiculous because it's an exhibition, like we said. And you're now saying that the winner of this game, a bunch of All-Stars, will decide the winner of who gets the seventh game of a World Series, the most important game of uh, the baseball season, if it came down to it. So to me, it makes absolutely no sense why they do this, um, except for the fact, obviously, definitely maybe they do it because they want people to actually watch the game, but nobody watches the game. I mean, I watched... Maybe I watched an inning or so because of Derek Jeter. I thought they were going to do something really, really elaborate, really special for him. And they really didn't. I mean, they just, I don't know, it felt like a whole hum, you know, coming out of the game, whatever. He was two for two, I believe, today with a double and a single. Uh, and, yeah, it was just nothing to, you know, nothing to, to write home about because they took him out of the game. He, he waved his hat. He, you know, saluted the fans. He saluted all the players. Uh, in the dugout, and that was it. So Derek Jeter's last All-Star game, two for two, which is quite good to actually end your All-Star game. And I think he, you know, had a great All-Star season, uh, not season, All-Star um, games throughout the, his career. And I think that he, he obviously had a, a Hall of Fame career. Um, me, I always thought as a non-Yankee fan, non-Jeter fan, I always thought that Derek Jeter was a, a little whiny for me at the plate. He was always like complaining about balls and strikes, and yeah, he's he pretty much lived his his career in the postseason, which not many players can actually say that. He has five rings, which not many players could say that. So he's had a great career, made a ton, a boatload of money with the New York Yankees, and um, you know has decided to retire this year. And I think you know he understands that he's not at the top of his game anymore, and you know it's time to retire. And I think he did it the right way. You know, people want to remember him as a Yankee for life. Um, I know other Yankees have retired and other teams because basically when you're you're washed up and you're old, you know, a team doesn't want you anymore. It's just, you know, a case of, you know, what have you done for me lately? And Derek Jeter knew that his time, I guess, was running out and the way he plays was um, was just deteriorating. You know, his, his batting average has gone down considerably over the last couple of years. And I think at the age of 40, I think that he knows now it's time to, to hang up the boots, um, hang up the cleats, as it will, and call it a career. And, again, 
no doubt it's a Hall of Fame career, but to me, as a non-Yankee fan, um, just too much whining at the plate uh, with balls and strikes. Other than that, you know, consummate professional. I don't think he got his nose dirty once in his career, once in his life. So, um, you know, best of luck to you in the future. There's still a second half of the season to be played. And I guess while we're talking about Derek Jeter, we might as well go into the Yankees and say that the Yankees at 47 and 47, yes, they're still in it in theory because the American League East is just crap right now. But um, the Yankees are just a, a terrible team right now because of they've been decimated with like injuries. Between Tanaka, the $27 million man uh, per year, going down, and we don't know if he's going to need Tommy John surgery. We're going to reevaluate, if you will, in six weeks. Uh, but just the Yankees have not hit. And, again, those injuries have really cost them. Between Nova going down, CC Sabathia is done for the year, and I think pretty much CC Sabathia is done for his career, if you ask me. He might come back, but he'll never be the same again, um, as Chris Jericho would say. So it's interesting to see the Yankees in a 47-47-500 team that, again, in theory is still in the uh, playoff hunt because the NL East, the AL East is a joke, just like most, uh, I guess, um, divisions are a joke this year with mediocrity and uh, parity. But the Yankees will flounder, I think. They don't have enough starting pitching. They're going to try to make a trade, as they usually do, because when you put $450 million into a team – of course, you're going to want to um, not give up on the season because Brian Cashman not being on the hot seat, I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat, but Brian Cashman dumped $450 million into this team in the offseason. Why wouldn't he go out and try to get a big stud pitcher that was on the market? So I think the Yankees will try to go get it but um, and try to go for it. I just don't think they have a good team, though, because their, their bullpen's okay. Robertson's been great, uh, let's face it. But the starting pitching, again, there's not enough to go out there and get starting pitching for this team, for the Yankees. And offensively, they've had probably their worst offensive season in since the 1996 run that they've had because basically this team, again, has changed over, yes, considerably over the years, but they've made the playoffs like something ridiculous, something like 15 out of 16 or 16 out of 17 years. So to see them understand that their season uh, and their offense has been putrid is a, a wake-up call for these Yankees. You know, Yankee fans are spoiled. The um, This generation is definitely spoiled. I mean, you know, if you're looking at as a Met fan, one championship back in 86, that's almost, what, 14 plus another 14, almost 28 years ago uh, when, when the Mets actually won a World Series. Um, so the Yankees fan has been spoiled. So the Yankees are still in it, and there, yes, um, if they make the playoffs, I think it'll be a miracle at this point. They just don't have it this year. I think you know you have teams like the Tigers, the A's, even the Angels, who are coming on strong now, and even the Orioles to an extent are going to be good teams to be in the playoffs. Um, we'll we'll see where that goes. But again, the Yankees floundering at forty-seven, forty-seven, keeping their head up, uh, barely above water. They're at five hundred at the All-Star break, so we'll see where they go. When you look at the National League, uh, the Metropolitans, my Metropolitans and Dave's Metropolitans, you see a team that's playing much better uh, right before the All-Star break. They finished, I believe, 8-2 and two their last 10 games, and the Mets, while I have not watched a game completely, I've maybe watched an at-bat here or there. I just can't get into the Mets, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just, I'm not sold on the Mets at all. 
Um, I don't know if it's because the last three years, the last four years have been putrid. But, yeah, the Mets do have a a farm system that's fully stacked with starting pitching and even, I guess, some relievers. So it's going to be interesting to see back next year when, when Harvey comes back what kind of pitching stand they have. And if the Mets could go out and get maybe two or three, uh, maybe three is too much, maybe go get two bats, maybe one in left field, maybe one at, I don't know, shortstop. Because they have a good center fielder now in Ligaris. They have, obviously, David Wright, who is impossible to trade with that with that contract, who's having a decent year. He's not having a, a you know franchise-type year. Uh, Curtis Granson, having a good year. Uh, yeah, I, I would say he's having a good year. And you have, you know, Daniel Murphy making the All-Star team. I guess every team has to be represented, so Daniel Murphy did make the All-Star team. And, again, uh, he's been okay. Duda at first base has been okay. Um, and then DeGrand at, at catcher has been coming on, too. So this team has some has some holes, yes, uh, offensively and defensively, but their starting pitching and their relief pitching can be really good next year. Parry comes back and the Tommy John surgery has made his arm even stronger. I think the Mets, you know, one through five might have the best pitching staff in the majors, and that's, you know, that's I'm not even joking about that because this team will have really good starting pitching. So it will be interesting to see, and hopefully Samuel Olsen can go out and buy um, or trade some of this, this pitching for some quality outfielders or quality um, an outfielder and a potential shortstop because, again, you're not trading David Wright. Curtis Grandison's okay. So you need a couple more players here and there offensively so that it could you know at least score – four to five runs a night. I mean, if you average four to five runs a night and you have this pitching staff that's supposedly going to be this great pitching staff, then I think the Mets will be in contention. There's two wild cards, uh, plus the division is not that good. Um, Surprisingly, the Braves have been in first place for most of this first half of the season, whereas people thought that the Nationals would just run away with it again. So I, I don't know what's wrong with the Nationals if they're just people call them dysfunctional or what it is, because they have a lot of talent on that team. The Braves, not so much as they used to, but they're still the Braves for whatever reason. They're they play they play good ball. They have good pitching, decent pitching. Um, so they're in first place. But the Mets coming on strong, best team um, to finish the best you know eight and two record, uh, best ten games in the last uh, ten games before the All Star break. So the Mets come come go into the All Star break. Really red hot at A and two. We'll see what they could do in the second half. Sandy Olson does proclaim that this team will finish with ninety wins at the beginning of the season. I don't know if he truly believed it or if he was just being, um, you know, overshooting his target. But it'd be interesting to see how close now the Mets come to that ninety win because at this point, you know, it's pretty impossible for them to get to ninety wins. But if they ever got to like eighty five, eighty six. I mean, that that'd be impressive considering that the Mets just were putrid uh, about a month or two ago, and, you know, you couldn't even watch them. I still can't watch them, even though they have good pitching and they have, they've come on pretty decently offensively. I still can't watch this team. So, and call me a bandwagon jumper, call me an ankle breaker, but um, I've been on and off the Mets the last couple of years. I, you know, obviously my heart was broken in 2000 with the Subway Series because I felt like the Mets had a chance, especially in Game 1, with Benitez, that the Mets, if the Mets were taking taking that game, 
the series might have gone six or seven, and who knows what would happen. And yes, I understand that the Yankees were the better team, but in a series like that, you know, you could, you know, all you need to do is win one series out of a hundred times. So if they, if the Yankee fan, if the Yankee analysts, all the the experts say that the Yankees, you know, would have won ninety nine out of a hundred, well, I would have taken my chance with that one out of a hundred uh, in two thousand because I thought that. The only way to combat all those rings that the Yankees had won in 96, 98, 99, 2000, I thought, well, not 2000, but if they got to three rings and they had played the Mets, I thought the only way the Mets could counter those three rings was to actually beat them in the Subway Series head-to-head, and then the Yankee fan would really be irked, knowing that, yes, they have three rings, but no, they couldn't win a fourth ring against my New York Metropolitan. So ever since that, I understand, again, the Mets weren't that good. They were overachieved. The National League wasn't that good. They made it to the World Series against a great New York Yankee team. But the Mets had game one in 2000. They really did, and Benitez blew it with that walk. And it just got ugly with the sack fly then in the, in the ninth, and then they go and lose it. I remember that whole Timo Perez not running um, when Todd Zeal had hit the top of the fence. Oh, I'm recanting some nightmares here as I remember that. But, you know, again, the Mets have turned – have really turned me off, uh, and I still remember 86 like it was yesterday, which is pretty sad if you ask me. One championship that I still remember like it was like it was yesterday. I was nine years old. I had watched pretty much every game of that 86 season. I had watched the playoffs with my dad. I watched the World Series with my dad. I do recall um, where I was when Lenny Dykstra hit a a walk off home run against the Astros. I do remember when Jesse Roscoe struck out the side um, in the ninth inning um, against the Red Sox. So I do remember that. But, you know, maybe now's the time that the Mets, with the starting pitching that they have, supposedly, and they get a couple bats through either free agency or through um, via trade, well, we're going to get to see what this team is going to be made of next year. And I think, this is the, you know, next year has to be the year that the Mets go out and go for it because – if they don't, I don't, I don't see how they're treating the fans with any respect. How they're treating, um, you know, even me. Like, why would I even want to watch them next year if they're not going to actually go out and go for it? So, it'd be interesting to see where they um, go out and get these players again via either trade or free agency. So, that's your Mets. Um, I, I'm going to go out and say that if the Mets to have to have the Mets have a successful season this year, and again they're playing strong to end the, the, the first half, if they could get to 80, 81 wins, even 81 and 81, I think that would be a big accomplishment for this team considering they were they were almost, I think they were 10 games under 500 uh, just a few weeks ago, So and they were really sinking fast. Somehow they were able to turn around. Um, Mike Francesa, I'm going to give him the credit. They said that this Curtis Gratis and that bat a couple of games ago was the biggest hit of the Mets season. So I don't see why that isn't the reason because I haven't watched the game. I mean, he probably watches highlights. I doubt that um, he watches, you know, actual Mets games. So he's, he credits Curtis Granderson for saving the season. Um, so I'll give him that. So there you have the Mets and the Yankees broken down. And, um, you know, we were talking about the All-Star game, and I'll give you a quick update here as it's 11:19, and as the Shrooms would say, with 20 seconds. It looks like the score is now, yeah, it's still 5-3 in the eighth inning, which is interesting. It's the bottom of the eighth inning. 
Um, and again, the winner of this game, for some odd reason, the last couple of years they've done it, gets home field advantage for the World Series. So moving right along, reverse chronological order, talking about what happened last night was the home run derby. And let me tell you, folks, if Dave was here, I think he'd agree with me. The home run derby is a total and utter joke, if you ask me. It's just too long, too boring the way they do it, and just like a, a snooze fest. The only reason why I bring up the All-Star, um, the Home Run Derby, is because of two reasons. One, it was still on after Raw, which is, that's how I'll tell you how, that's how tell you, that's what tells you how long of a, a process, how long of a um, way of doing it is, is pretty much a farce, if you ask me. They have a tournament style, they have American League versus National League to start off with, and then they have a tournament, and then eventually they get to the American League final versus the National League final. And this was going on. I know they had a rain delay too, by the way, folks. So if you tell me there was a rain delay, I understand that. But the skate, the, the home run derby was still going on at 11:30 at night. So right after Raw went off the air, I turned over to ESPN and I watched the home run derby. And the only reason I watched it is because I know that the defending champion uh, Cespedes from the Oakland A's was still in it, and he hits bombs. I mean, for a guy that bats righty. And this guy really hits bombs. I mean, usually it's the lefty with the left-handed uppercut, the natural uppercut, uh, would usually hit bombs. But I don't think there was any lefties in the, the semifinals or even the, the obviously the finals because it was uh, some Cincinnati red guy against the Cespedes. So anyway, I start watching the finals, and Cespedes just blows out this guy from Cincinnati. I don't even know his name. That's how bad it was. Uh, let's just call him Loser A. Uh, he kills Loser A, and he defends his title. He wins it for a second time. They come back from a commercial, and they're ready to give Cespedes his trophy again, and it's like these two silver bats to signify the home run derby. But what does Cespedes have in his hands? I could not believe it. I even texted it to Dave a picture of this because it was on Twitter, I believe, and then it made news everywhere. He basically had in his hand the new WWE World Heavyweight Championship belt that they created last February when The Rock introduced it, and, you know, it's a belt that even I own now. But it was it was really funny to see, and not that surprising, considering that people like LeBron James, Aaron Rodgers, and a lot of athletes now love the fact of having a championship belt being the trophy. So I guess he had this, tr- this belt already from last year when he defended his title, and that's what he's actually holding when he's presented the the, the, um, the actual silver the silver bats to be the home run derby. He's actually holding and holding up, and pro- quite proudly, the new WWE World Heavyweight Championship belt as a symbol as that he's the champion. He's defended it two times, so I thought that was great. Like I said, I went right to Twitter. I found the picture, and of course, it blew up all over on the WWE website that Cespedes is now carrying the World Heavyweight Championship belt. I think even John Cena at one point, um, you know, he even carried, uh, he even tweeted saying that Cespedes, you know, congratulating Cespedes on his title defense of the the Home Run Derby. So it was really good to see. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting to see that he'd rather hold the belt up versus the uh, twin bats, the twin silver bats for a Home Run Derby. So, um Cespedes now joins the ranks of, again, LeBron James, who LeBron James last year when they won the NBA title uh, back-to-back, he actually ordered belts for them, and I'm sure we talked about this. He got belts for everybody on the team, and he customized the side belts for each player, so I thought that was nice. And then you've seen Aaron Rodgers walk around with the title, and there's a lot more 
athletes that Dave, if Dave was here, he'd be able to tell me uh, who else was carrying belts around for different reasons. So, Cespedes, congratulations on your title defense, if you will, for the Home Run Derby. Uh, well done bringing and, um, you know, cheap advertising, cheap pop, if you will, to WWE for carrying those um, the, the carrying the WWE heavyweight title onto the field and showing that that title is more important than the Silver Bats title. So maybe it will go for a three-peat next year and it will bring out the belt again and people will talk about it again. But I think he did a good job. So that's, you know, that's your all-star talk. Um, that's your home run derby talk um, for baseball. We've talked about the Mets and Yankees. Why don't we just take a quick break so I could rest my voice because I don't know where the hell Dave is at this point. But uh, he'll probably end up erasing this episode after he listens to it. We'll see if he does, if he doesn't. But, folks, we'll be right back. We'll talk about the NBA free agency. We'll talk about some WWE uh, battleground. We'll even talk some World Cup because, for some reason, Dave hates the World Cup. I don't know why. Well, I know why. Just like a typical American that he is, hates the fact that there's no scoring in the game. But I'll break down some World Cup when we get back as well. And then we'll get to some NBA and finally, we'll wrap up with some WWE talk because, again, we haven't been on the, sh- the air for about six weeks now. Um, at the time, we had no World Heavyweight Champion because Daniel Bryan was stripped. So we'll get we'll talk about that on the other side of this quick and easy break. And the only reason why I'm stalling is because I'm trying to find some promos. We'll be back, folks. What's up, guys? This is actress Jen Lilly telling you to tune in to Pure Gold Radio. Pure Gold brings you amazing guests, awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. Hi, this is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona USA 2010. Make sure you tune in to Pure Gold each week to hear the best interviews and live talk radio. David and Joe are simply the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. What's up, everyone? This is Bright Lights' Jared Foster, the man of a thousand bulbs and Mr. Entertainment himself. A reoccurring guest, nonetheless, on Pure Gold Radio. And what I want you to do is check out my friends, Dave and Joe, as they deliver nonstop entertainment week after week with amazing guests discussing everything from wrestling and sports to entertainment. You name it, it's talked about, and it's only talked about in one place. Pure Gold Radio, and you can find them at puregoldpg.com. That's puregoldpg.com. You are listening to Pure Gold Radio. I am actress Laura Jean Salerno, and they are David and Joe, and they are bringing you all the upcoming inside exclusive information on everything sports and entertainment ever. Ever. And because Dave is not here tonight and he never picks these, I'm going to get nostalgic for you. Back in the day, we were we used to actually broadcast out of 1640. So let's listen to a couple of these um, 1640, um, you know, advertisements or cheap pops or promos. Live from 1640 AM Ironbound Radio in New York, New Jersey, it's Pure Gold with your host, David and Joe. Live from 1640 AM, Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. Hey guys, this is Brittany Don Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011. Live from 1640 AM, Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. 
Live from 1640 AM Ironbound Radio in Newark, New Jersey, this is Pure Gold with your hosts, David and Joe. And because I love Lauren Lester. Hi, this is Lauren Lester, and you are listening to Pure Gold. Yes, you are. And folks, you are listening to Pure Gold. It is Tuesday night, July 15th, 2014. 714-364-472-4721. And the reason why I'm stalling is because I'm texting this loser, Dave, and finding out where the heck he is because... um, you know, we were supposed to do a show tonight together, and so far it's been me talking for the last half hour or so. So um, let's see if he actually joins me after that text that I sent him. So, again, we've talked about baseball in a nutshell in the first half of the show. We've talked about the All-Star game. We've talked about the Home Run Derby. Nice to see that WWE Championship belt out. But let's uh, switch gears, and actually before Dave maybe comes up, we talk about the World Cup. Because that just ended this past Sunday. Unfortunately for me, a team that had three World Cup titles now has a fourth. And yes, I'm talking about Germany. Yes, congratulations to Germany for winning the World Cup. But unfortunately, they now are tied with Italy, who is my team in the World Cup, uh, with four titles. Um, They now are one away from actually tying Brazil. So this team that came in, they call it the German, they call it the machine, really, and that's what they were. They they were in the group of death, which had the Ghana, United States, Portugal, and um, Germany themselves come out of that as the winner of group, I think G or F. They came out and they went out and just utterly obliterated every team in the knockout stage, and then finally they had a classic game. I thought on Sunday against Argentina, who met them in the finals. Um, but now Germany, in extra time, scores a late, late, late goal, makes it one nothing, and basically, um, you know, I, I had to root for Argentina for two reasons because Argentina only had, I believe, two World Cup titles um, to Germany's three, and I think part of Argentina speaks Italian, which, you know, if I'm going to root for a team, I might as well root for an interest that interests me. So. Uh, but Messi, who's the best player, I guess they call him the best player on the planet for, in soccer, um, was just not, I mean, he had a, a pretty bad game. I mean, he had a pretty decent shot to score at least two or three goals. And for him to have two or three goals in one game would have been utterly ridiculous, especially if it was a World Cup final. But the, the World Cup, and I, here's another thing. I don't understand why Dave thinks that a month-long process to get through a tournament that happens once every four years is such a pain. I think that um, at this point, when you look at the the NHL, when you look at the the NBA, those um, those playoffs take almost a month and a half to two months to complete. So FIFA does a really good job. They only have 32 teams, which again, any tournament for me needs to have multiples of four in it. So you know, a team there's 32 teams that you could dwell down to one by going from 32 to 16 to eight to four to two to one if you want to do the math. Um, but you you have uh, 32 teams that qualify, which I don't really know the qualification on how to get to the World Cup. Um, so I, don't, I can't tell you if the best 32 teams were in there. But I can tell you that it was an entertainment World Cup this year in Brazil. And I guess the most shocking thing, if we're going to talk about just some highlights about this, is the fact that early on Spain, the defending World Cup champions, were limited in before they even got to the knockout stage, they were obliterated by the Netherlands. 
a rematch from the 2010 World Cup final. The Netherlands beat them 5-1, and then from there, I believe they lost again, one nothing to um, I forget who they lost one nothing to, or two nothing to someone. And that was the first probably shocking thing that happened in World Cup early on was that the defending champions, Spain, were knocked out um, in the group stage before even the knockout. The U.S. had a, a decent run this year, if you will. They they beat Ghana two to one, then they tied Portugal two two. Portugal had a miracle kick um, to tie that game at the end, so they had a point. They got a point of that. They lost a heartbreaker. Well, I don't know if it's a heartbreaker, but they lost a, a great game to Germany, who ended up being the World Cup champions this year. They lost one nothing, but still were able to make it to the knockout stage because uh, I believe Portugal had beaten Ghana, which meant that the U.S. would be in the round of 16 against Belgium, and that game was pretty decent too. But the U.S. unfortunately lost two to one. Um, and all, that, I guess, was a heartbreaker considering the U.S. could have tied that game late, late in the game. So that's another highlight of the tournament. And I guess the biggest shocker of anything is that not only did Brazil, it's not a shocker that Brazil made it to semifinals as a host nation, they were the team that I thought was actually going to win the World Cup this year considering that everyone was talking about them after, right after the World Cup had ended in 2010, that this team would then go on this year because they're young, they're fast, Neymar, 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 uh, or the Neymar Jr., whatever it is, uh, would then carry this team to a World Cup. And what happened to the Brazil, I guess, before they even got to the semifinals and the quarterfinals against Colombia, Neymar got hit in the back and pretty much, I think, broke a vertebrae, uh, which is crazy to think. Uh, he broke a vertebrae with the guy getting need, and nobody, I guess no referee saw it because the ball was down the field the other way. So there was no red card on Colombia, nothing like that. But when Neymar went down, people thought it was fake or whatever. But then they found out a day later, or even that day, that he'd be out of the tournament the rest of the to- for the rest of the tournament because he had broken a vertebrae. Um, and believe it or not, the- down went Brazil and the semifinals to Brazil to Germany. Um, and it wasn't even one nothing. It wasn't two nothing. It wasn't even three nothing, four nothing. And when you get to three or four nothing, you're talking about an utter obliteration. It wasn't five nothing. It wasn't six nothing. I mean, the final score of the Brazil Germany semifinal sent shockwaves. I think it had the most tweets um, during that game or right after that game too. Um, but Germany, the machine, as you will, beat Brazil seven to one. And the only thing I'll give you credit for Germany, because I, I really don't like Germany because now they have the same amount of titles as Italy. But the only the the one credit that I'll give Germany is that they played like a team and a team sport, and I'm huge on playing as a team, as a team sport. So once Neymar went down, I guess so did the, the, the hopes and dreams of Brazil winning a sixth World Cup because they relied, I thought, too much on them, and they, it showed. I mean, Brazil didn't look like themselves at all in the semifinals, and then they played a third-place game on Saturday against the Netherlands. I believe they lost 3 nothing there, too, um, showing that you know the utter complete and utter embarrassment on their home field in in their home country of Brazil was a an utter joke and I, I know fans were crying during the semifinal game but Germany dissected this team dissected them um, so systematically and were able to score seven goals before uh, Brazil put a cheap goal in at the 91st minute right before the game ended but um yes that, that was another big big um, surprise to see Neymar going down and then see Brazil going down. Huge down seven one. I mean, if Brazil had lost one nothing to 
to Germany or even 2-1 or whatever without Neymar. I'd say that Brazil could say that they had an okay run. Um, they they want obviously they want to win the trophy and on their home country, their home turf. But um, with Neymar going down, they didn't. But they they uh, they got destroyed 7-1 in the semifinals, and then they got destroyed again the um, the third place match. So the other and then the final highlight is Germany winning that fourth fourth World Cup with you know Schweinsteiger and Mueller and Close and Lam and I know Goats or Goatse um, scored a late late goal in extra time. So it's it was good to see. Um, an entertaining final game, and I think four years ago you had an entertainment game too because that was ended one nothing. But Germany goes on; they win the the, the trophy, um, the World Cup trophy, which the name really escapes me at this point. Um, but they go on, and again, I don't know why Americans. Well, I'll maybe I sound two faced on this, but yes, I don't watch soccer um, a lot, but I do watch the World Cup because of the fact that it's a tournament. And even though it's a month-long tournament, it's a great tournament. I don't care what other people say. I don't care what Dave says. And if Dave was here, I'd, I'd probably mute him or just hang up on him because the tournament was great. Um, it was great drama. It was great to see countries and people get behind their country. I mean, you saw the United States throughout the country have these sit-downs with thousands and thousands of people watch the game together. So it was really great to see that great patriotism across the, the world, if you will, for these 32 teams. And um, I just thought it was a great tournament. I like it. But then on the flip side, I will not now go watch MLS because I feel like it's a watered-down league. It's like the minor leagues of, of, football, of football, as you will. They call it football. So I might as well call it football. They don't um, – it doesn't, it doesn't translate. Like, I, don't, I can't go and watch a World Cup, the best of the best, and then I can't go watch MLS. I can't watch the Red Bulls. I've gone to a Red Bull game. It's excited. But, again, it, it doesn't compare to the leagues that they have in Portugal, in Italy, in Germany. Um, those type of leagues are, are serious business. Those are where all the big players make the money. And, yeah, there might be a couple of players here and there that play in the MLS, but usually it's because it's the end of their career or they want to make a boatload of money because they've made some money already in those leagues out in, in Europe or even um, in England, stuff like that. So the World Cup... It has ended for another four years, and I believe in four years they will be in Russia, which will be interesting. I I don't – I mean, it's it's easy to say this, but I don't see how the, Germany wouldn't be favored to win the World Cup again in, in four years. They have a young team. They have a young core that plays great defense. They have great scoring. Their, their passing is so systematic, like I mentioned. And they, they're called the machine for a reason. I mean, they, they played a great tournament this year, so I don't see why um, – I don't see why Germany wouldn't be favored to win the whole thing in four years from now. When you look at my team, Italy, I, I think they're just an old team, and I thought they had four years to actually grow some talent, but I guess not. Uh, Balotelli is really overrated. I think that um, just the, the team itself, I thought that when they beat England, I, I was, there was a ray of hope that maybe this team is the team that will, just like in 2006 when they won the, the World Cup, that this team would step up to it, but they they, they spit a bit too. They were an utter joke too. After they had beaten England, they had lost to Uruguay and then they lost to, I think Costa Rica or vice um, switch those two teams around. But either way, they didn't qualify for the knockout stage, which is uh, to be to be an Italian or of Italian descent 
and for the team to have four World Cup trophies, uh, titles in their history, it's an embarrassment when the team like Italy doesn't make it to the knockout stage. It really is. So we'll see where they go in four years, and hopefully they'll get younger. People like Pirlo need to go, the, the goalie, even though he had a good game here and there. They're just old. I mean, you look at teams like Germany, Brazil, um, even Argentina, I guess. Well, no, Argentina is quite old. But the, the teams that are always in it, the teams that have the most World Cup trophies, those teams always get young. They always have good talent. So it would be nice to see in four years. you got four years now. And I think even the coach, which escapes my mind, quit pretty much as soon as they lost their last game in the group stage. Um, so Italy will need a new coach. They'll need some fresh talent, I think. They'll need to play a different style of football, if you will, to win a World Cup or even contend, actually. It's so hard to win a World Cup. It really is with injuries, and you know you never know who you're going to be grouped against. So um, we'll see where Italy goes. Congratulations again to Germany for winning uh, their fourth title. Now they have tied with Italy, like I said, and Brazil is the only other team with five. So you have a, uh, one team with five titles, two teams with four uh, two teams with four titles, and then a couple teams have three. Um, so the World Cup ends, and so will my discussion because, again, I'm sure Dave would not have wanted to talk about the World Cup tonight. So let's go right into NBA free agency, and then we'll wrap up with WWE playground, <laughs> playground, uh, battlegrounds. I guess it is a playground for me. Um, but anyway, so we'll we'll talk about some free agency in the NBA. So. Where we left off um, in in terms of just um, where we left off in in terms of the NBA, the San Antonio Spurs had just dissected and and uh, decimated, destroyed whatever you want to say the Miami Heat, knocking them out from a three P. And the, the Spurs showed that they a team game is what um, what what won it this year. So the 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 Spurs played a great um, finals. They played a great playoffs really basically and then we talked we went right into the free agency where you know LeBron James was a unrestricted free agent the big three were basically unrestricted um Dwayne Wade Bosch so we 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 sat and waited for a couple weeks to decide what LeBron James was going to do and you know people speculated between um they basically speculated that he was going to either resign with the Heat for max money, or he was going to go back to Cleveland. He might go to Chicago. The Lakers were involved. It was just a crazy time. And uh, what LeBron James finally decided was that he wasn't going to go back to the Miami Heat. I think because he knew that the core of that team was getting old and just wasn't right for him. And I also think that he really truly meant that he wants to go back home. And that's what he actually did a couple uh, last week. He decided that. He wants to go back to Cleveland, and which is really hard to believe that he goes back to Cleveland, considering that you know the owner destroyed him um, verbally, um, you know, saying you're a traitor, you're a loser for leaving. But now, you know, four years later, LeBron James has come back home, and now is a Cleveland Cavalier once again. Which you know, the other big signings here and there, especially in the tri-state area over here, is the fact that. is the fact that Carmelo Anthony was shopping himself around throughout the NBA and ends up re-signing, um, not surprisingly because it's the Knicks that could offer him the most money. He ends up with a $120 to $129 million contract um, and probably will be a Knicks for the rest of his career. 
and you know, I don't, I don't begrudge the guy for not for for taking the most money, but I also think that you know you've made a lot of money in your career. You'd want to win a title. I don't know if the Knicks are a team that's going to actually win a title in the next couple of years. Um, but yes, Carmelo Anthony will stay as a Nick, and we'll try to win a championship with uh, Phil Jackson and um, I forget the coach's name. I'm not a Nick fan, so I don't care. Um, as a Celtic fan, I'll tell you that um, the, that team needs to be blown up, and it pretty much has been blown up. So I think the last piece will be to have Rajon Rondo be traded for some uh, more talent, more draft picks, if you will, and try to rebuild this team in the next two or three years, and hopefully have a contender by then. Because you know I, I'd like to see the Celtics win another one before the Lakers do. Because right now, again, it's 17-16, I believe, in the NBA trophies. And if the team like the Celtics are going to call themselves a team of tradition or the best team overall in the history of NBA, they need to have more titles than any other team. So my goal is to make sure that the Lakers, and thank God Kobe Bryant is getting old by the minute. Um, you know, the Lakers, I don't want to see the Lakers win another title before the Celtics do. So as long as the Lakers don't win one, I want the Celtics to keep rebuilding and hopefully win a title or two and put some space in between them and the Lakers. So... Um, those are big free agent signings. You know, Carmelo does end up going back home to the Cleveland Cavs. Carmelo Anthony does go back to um, the Knicks. So it would be interesting to see. I don't really want to talk NBA by myself. I barely talk about it with Dave. So those are the big two, um, the two big things that happened in terms of the NBA free agency. And then finally, let's get into some sports entertainment, if you will. Let's talk about the WWE. We don't really talk about TNA other than the fact that uh, it's a quite uh, to me. It's a joke that Lashley is the world heavyweight champion now, and going um, this I believe in a couple of days to New York City to defend his title against Jeff Hardy. I guess they want a big marquee matchup because it'll be in the New York City market. You know, basically the WWE back, the WWE's backyard, if you will. So TNA invades New York City in the next week or so, and then stays up here for a week or two before they go back down to Florida where they belong. Um, so, again, I think it's a joke that Eric Young didn't keep that title longer. And I know that Eric Young is just like another – he's another, basically, um, Daniel Bryan. I mean, they, they tried to make him out to be this underdog champion that always wins. But, you know, I don't know. They have too many heels on TNA. I mean, first MVP was there to save the company, then he turns heel. And now Kurt Angle is the commissioner or whatever, the, the general manager of the of the programs. And then you have, you know, the owner, Dixie Carter, trying to get her, her company back. That's neither here nor there. But anyway, so TNA, don't really want to talk about other than that. Nothing ho-hum. Uh, everything's ho-hum there. But back Lashley to be the champion, uh, I don't know. I don't agree with it. I think that Eric Young should have been. So we get to our final topic of the night, and we talk about the WWE Battleground. And where we left off, I believe, five, six, seven weeks ago, on um, Pure Gold was that the World Heavyweight title was vacated by Daniel Bryan because his surgery um, his surgery and recovery time was taking a lot longer than expected. So, um, you know, Stephanie and Triple H had this whole like thing about we're stripping you of the title, but they knew that <clears throat> he really couldn't defend that title. Um in, in 30 days or less, and you know that that would have been really awkward not to have the the WWE World Heavyweight Title not defended um, on a pay per view for for more than 30 days or even on TV. So 
what happened was they had a money at the Money in the Bank uh, pay-per-view. They had two um, they had two matches with a, a letter um, and a contract. One was for a contract, and then one was for going to be um, eight competitors going against for the World Heavyweight Title. And they went the predictable route, which um, I guess is predictable, but I, I didn't think that they would. My two picks were in the one match. I thought that Cesaro was going to actually win the uh, World Heavyweight Title, but I guess he's not ready for that. Um, against um, you know, and the person that won the contract, the the traditional contract, was uh, Seth Rollins, which I thought was predictable as well, considering that you know he's now like a corporate stooge, if you will. So at the Money in the Bank uh, pay-per-view, you had uh, John Cena take the the World Heavyweight Title, and now. He carries that title into the battleground as he faces a fatal four-way match. He will face uh, Kane, Roman Reigns, and uh, Randy Orton. So, you know, the next pay-per-view that's coming up that you see on the calendar is the biggest pay-per-view of the summer, which is Summerfest, I mean SummerSlam 2014. Um, this this four-way match, um, yes, the, uh, the odds are stacked against... Um, you know, the champion, because he doesn't have to be pinned or he doesn't have to submit to lose the title. But, you know, other than Roman Reigns, who I hope, and there's a good similarity, a good uh, comparison, I really hope that um, that Roman Reigns has not become the next, um, what's his name, Ryback. Because at this point, you know, Roman Reigns has been in two title matches, and if he loses again, and you don't have to have actually get pinned or submit, but he's in these matches, and he's not winning the title, and I just hope he doesn't become another Ryback because Ryback is now in mediocrity land. So, you know, your main event at Battleground is that fatal four-way match for the World Heavyweight title. It's John Cena defending his title against Randy Orton, Kane, and Roman Reigns. And I'm going to go the predictable route on this one. The pay-per-view is this Sunday, by the way, if you want to order it. If not, you know, if you don't want to dish out, 30, 40 bucks. Why not just get the WWE Network? I know it sounds like simple math to me. I don't see why people wouldn't get the network. You get all the pay-per-views of all time. You get to see these great um, original programs that they've done a good job with. And I think there was one just on tonight about CM Punk. So if you get a chance, check out the CM Punk one. But um, yeah, I mean that that pay-per-view, the, the pay-per-view that's coming up Sunday, Battleground, the main event. I don't see how John Cena doesn't walk into the um, walkout with the World Heavyweight title, especially since Summerfest, SummerSlam, is coming up next month on August 17th, and the rumors are that he's going to be facing Brock Lesnar for that title. So that will be interesting to see, um, but I'll be watching because I do have the, the WWE Network, so that's the one that's the main event. You have Dean Ambrose taking on Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins should be able to take this match as well because – they pretty much beat up Dean Ambrose the last couple of weeks. He's been jumped. You know, he's been selling this great injury to his shoulder, Dean Ambrose. So I don't see why Seth Rollins doesn't win the match. I guess the only thing that would be interesting about this is that if John Cena does walk out with the championship uh, or defends his championship, does Seth Rollins actually cash in um, and try to go for the title um, at Battleground? So we'll see that match. Chris Jericho is finally back. We haven't. I don't think he was back when we were uh, doing our shows back in early June, right before Dave on, went on a six-week vacation. But Chris Jericho takes on Bray Wyatt. So now Bray Wyatt um, is taking on another big-name wrestler in Chris Jericho. 
I'm pretty sure Bray Wyatt will win this match because Chris Jericho, all he does is come back and sell out to other people or just, you know, pretty much give in to other people. Jack Swagger, the All-American American, I guess, now, which is a fa- uh, I'm not even kidding, he's a face, will be facing Rusev. Um, uh, Rusev is a gimmick that just does baffles my mind, to be honest with you. I don't understand the, the purpose of Rusev. Um, once he loses his first match, it's going to be really awkward, and they're not, not going to know what to do with it. So I could see Rusev definitely being Jack Swagger here. AJ Lee defends her championship against Paige. The title went back and forth with these two. They've been the last two champions. Um, I could see AJ retain the title somehow, and then Paige finally going full-blown heel on this match. Uh, the Usos taking on the Wyatts in a two out of three falls match. Um, the Usos have really kept the belts on them since they beat uh, Degeneration X back um, four or five months ago, maybe now, three or four months ago. So it would be interesting to see where, where they go with this two out of three falls match against the Wyatt family. I'm going to have to say the Usos somehow retain this title. I don't think the, the, the Wyatt family will take it. And then in the last couple of weeks, we actually had Barrett, Bad News Barrett, um, lose, unfortunately, or get hurt uh, with his shoulder. So he was an Intercontinental title champion at the time. And now, because of his uh, shoulder injury, he actually was, you know, quote-unquote, stripped of the title. And now we'll f- uh, there will be a 20-man battle royal to determine the champion. I see El Torito, uh, Sin Cara, even like um, people like Sheamus, Bo Lee, Bo Dallas, Cesaro, Sheamus, Kali, Kofi Kingston, Ryback-Axel, <laughs> Curtis Axel and Ryback will be there, even, Kof- even um, Big E Langston will be there, Fandango will be there, Del Rio, Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme, no, Rob Van Damme will definitely be there, and even The Miz. Um, if I'm going to pick a winner, because I'm big on Cesaro right now, and I thought he was going to win the World Heavyweight title, since he didn't, I, I, I don't think it's even that predictable. I think Cesaro works away with the Intercontinental title um, at Battlegrounds. Then you have a uh, Divas match that's a kickoff match. Cameron, Cameron versus Naomi. Um, that's whatever. And that that's your, pretty much your car for the WWE Network. I mean, for WWE Battleground, which takes place this Sunday, starting at 7.30. Again, the, 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 free, sh- the free match is a Diva match between um, Cameron versus Naomi. So um, there you go with Raw. I mean, that's that's where we are with the WWE at this point. And, wow, I have talked for 54 minutes with a break here or there, and I have no idea where Dave went. I mean, folks, do we have some time to kill before we go off? I'm going to read you some text message conversations that I had with Dave, or maybe did I erase it? Um so I talked about the trophy, you know, with Cespedes. So I talked about, let's see. So I said, so are we having a show tonight or no? So he says, yep. And I pretty much give him the rundown. We talk about it. And he says, we're going to probably talk about only three of the things that I mentioned, out of, like the 12 things that was on the rundown. And then he doesn't show. So I really don't know what's up with him. If something happened, he's not answering my texts. Well, folks, I, uh, it's been a great show. We were able to talk about a lot. Unfortunately, I didn't get no callers, so if you do call now, it's too late, but the number is 
Um, you know, for for JB, I just want you guys to know that um, again, we'll we'll try to find out what happened to Dave at this point, but I couldn't tell you what happened to him because um, I really don't know. Like he, he we were texting each other um, throughout today, and we're going to do a show tonight at eleven o'clock, and now here it is eleven fifty-five, and I haven't heard from him. So hopefully, him and his family are all right, and he's doing all right. And if if everything is all right, then I'm going to rip them to no end next time because our next show will probably be next Tuesday, July 22nd, 11 p.m. So tune in to Pure Gold on you know Block Talk Radio. Again, our number to call in, and please, we definitely welcome your number, your your calls, and we'll call about anything, and everything if you want, even if it's not on the rundown. It's seven one four three six no seven one four three six four four seven two one. So. For JB and <coughs> DG, this is JB saying, have a good night, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are. Have a good night.